It is 25 minutes after the hour. It's a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday. Robbie's here, so it's one of those three days. Uh, let's see. Let me check my... No, computer screen says it's Wednesday. A winsome Wednesday, and Pastor Robbie Pruitt joins us from Ashburn, Virginia. Uh, Robbie's been absent from us for a couple of weeks. He's been a busy guy. He was off to Denver for a, uh, for the Infusion Bible Conference, and then he had a funeral last week on Thursday, so we couldn't talk to him. And this week, well, Thanksgiving kind of gets in the way. For some reason, he thinks he should have that day off, and he doesn't know how <laughs> radio works. I you guys and, Friday. Last Friday. <laughs> Good to be with you today. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's just a, a day before yesterday. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like old times sake when we used to meet every Wednesday before mm-hmm. my staff meetings that That's true. were canceled this but, week to enable this time. Okay. Well, we're we're glad I'm I'm glad that you you contacted and said, "Hey, let's let's do it." So, cuz we've missed you. We missed you here. And um we learn a lot from you every time you show up. Rich uh, uh Pastor Robbie is a uh, an Anglican pastor as a church in Leesburg, Virginia, lives in Ashburn, just a stone's throw, uh, for, or maybe a silver dollar throw from there, we should say, because it's just, <laughs> how close are you to the Potomac? Oh, really close. I oh. mean, I, I'm I'm five, ten minute drive okay. to the Potomac River. I enjoy going down there to Riverbend Park to hike. There's some Civil War battlefields near, near Leesburg. Oh, I'd love to see to hike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, does Leesburg, the name, have anything to do with Robert E.? You know, I haven't delved into our or, little city's or, history or yet. Light force, <laughs> light, Lightfoot Harry Lee, maybe. But he was a Virginian, wasn't he? Possibly, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll find that another time. We've got other things to talk about here. Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Brings up the topic of thanks. And uh, one of, one of uh, my primary comments about thanksgiving or just being thankful is we can be thankful for everything and anything uh, but that's only half the proposition the other half is who are we thankful to without that being thankful doesn't mean much in my estimation robbie your thoughts right i, I mean my my basic understanding and appreciation of of giving thanks is um, is worship. I, I believe that, that thanks and worship go hand in hand. And we are designed, or hardwired for worship. God's created us to worship. He's put us in a place and given us uh, an abundance of blessing um, that we have so much to be thankful for. And I love what Paul says. We talked about Paul last time we met and the IBC, but Paul says in Thessalonians, rejoice always, give thanks in every circumstance, for this is the will of God for your life. Rejoice always without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And we often wonder, wonder what God's will is for my life. And it, it's amazing that Paul has put it in such a succinct nutshell that we are to be uh, in, enjoy, to rejoice always, to be constant in prayer and in thanksgiving in whatever circumstance. But yes, our, our thanksgiving has an object, and that is the object is the giver of the gift. So... You know, someone doesn't give us a gift and we thank the person next to them that mm-hmm. <laughs> we thank yeah. the person who gives us the gift. Yeah. 
And so uh, our Thanksgiving should have an object, and that object is God the giver. But I get the feeling that in society generally, we, we lose sight of that. Everybody, everybody, A lot of people have turkey and stuffing without necessarily being thankful to the Creator for the means to enjoy that together as a family and in a, in a place of peace and, and, and freedom and liberty. Uh, even in, in Israel, they had entire festivals, which were essentially harvest festivals, thanksgiving for the harvest, which means for not letting us starve. Thank you for the rain and the sunshine and the fields and the people to work them. Um, there were, it, it, was, it was mandated by God even 2,000 years ago. You know, before Jesus, be giving thanks was an important part of the culture. Yeah, and I believe Thanksgiving is an American feast day. It's probably closest that we have culturally to, mm-hmm. to a Jewish feast day. That and maybe Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. So Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter is another one that probably closely mirrors the celebratory posture. But in in the first century culture of Jesus's day, hospitality. And feasting was just a normal part of the regular rhythms of existing. Remember that you were strangers in a strange land, God told his people. So you were to show hospitality to strangers. And part of that, of course, is breaking bread with with people who need your hospitality. That was meant to eating meals together was a very intimate form of relationship in that time and place, maybe more so than even now. I mean, you hear you know, you, business associates, you want to go have, let's, let's, let's have lunch together. Let's, you know, or if you go to dinner for more, more intimate relationships that is, you know, a, a couple, you know, well, you want to go kind of celebrate the day with them together in a nice restaurant, but there even simple meals at a home typically involved guests and was an important part of knitting that culture together, wasn't it? Absolutely. And probably one of the most uh, famous feasts that we can think of in the Bible is the Passover meal with Jesus and his disciples at the triclinium table Hmm. in the upper room. This idea that each of the disciples are leaning on one another's breast. I mean, at the triclinium table, your feet are behind you. You're leaning on your left arm elbow, you're eating with your right hand, not your left because that's your business hand. And usually the guest of honor has two guests, one at the right and one at the left, who has the guest of honor and uh, number one and then number two on the left. And that would have been John the disciple and Judas at that last supper. And and, and, and we see this all in, in John 13. When Jesus takes time to, to wash his disciples' feet, which again, this is the job of a servant or the person putting on the feast, and that would have been Peter in this case. So well, he was in the servant's seat. He would, if you diagram where they were, because the Bible gives us all kinds of clues about that, he was in the, 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 the last seat, which would have been reserved for a servant at, at the time, and he didn't seem to recognize that. And. There was no silverware. Right. <laughs> so you're you're sopping it up with your bread. And I'm bringing, how, how intimate is that? You're, you're all dipping bread into the same bowl. You're sharing that with those people. Uh, that's togetherness that we don't experience here. It's, I never thought of knives and forks as, as promoting separateness, but it, it right. kind of does, doesn't it? 
Well, does so it, is they is, were double dipping? Is that right? <laughs> well, let's hope not. I think you break the piece off and then pinch it. At least that's what you do in the Ethiopian restaurants, mm-hmm. which are probably the closest we have in yeah. our current cultural climate to you know reenact this experience, David. But it is amazing to me that you just mentioned the technology of a fork dividing us. Um, we're about to enter into our Thanksgiving feast, either lunch tomorrow or dinner tomorrow, and uh, Thanksgiving Day, November 25th. I mean, we're here on a Wednesday, the 24th, and our technology can either bring us together or it can pull us apart, and most of the time it pulls us apart. And what I'm thinking of now is not necessarily a fork in our culture, though if we were dipping with our hands, that would probably be making it more intimate, but I'm concerned about our cell phones Mm -hmm. at at dinner tomorrow and how that might Excellent point here. Yeah, turn them off. Turn them off. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So, in, in thinking about Thanksgiving, one of my favorite accounts is actually Luke chapter 7. And this is a unique, a, a very unique picture in Luke 7. It's not the same account as uh, Mary washing Jesus' feet in the Last Supper in John chapter thirteen. Yeah, Bethany at, at 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 Lazarus's house. That was that was a different deal altogether. But there are similarities here. Right, right, right. Yeah, I said the Last Supper. I misspoke there. But yeah, Lazarus's house. When Mary arises and washes uh, the feet, Jesus washes his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. Mary is washing his feet at Lazarus's house, and this is a different account altogether than both of these. It's in Luke seven begins, I I really believe it begins in 33, because it gives us some context for what we're about to see here, that Jesus is dining, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus himself says, for John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, but you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, he's a glutton and a wine-bibber or drunkard, a friend of tax collectors. And sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. And then we see Jesus being invited to a Pharisee's house. This man's name is Simon the Pharisee, and he invites Jesus to his house. And he sat down to eat. And this woman of the city, and we don't know who this woman is, we don't know what her story is, we don't know if she, what kind of sinner is, we just know from the text that she is a sinner. You know, in and examining the, the context, though, one of the first things you want to do is find out where an event is happening. Mm. Now, earlier in Luke 7, it talks about Jesus being in Capernaum. And so he's in this general area. But with respect to the dinner at the Pharisees, it just says that town. A woman in that town doesn't name the town, uh, which most people would say, well, that's, that's a, a minor deal. Must have been a small town, not Capernaum. And, mm-hmm. and so you look at the map and what's in the area of Capernaum, and there are a number of towns. Uh, one of them is Magdala on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. I'm wondering if it could have been there, because uh, I've heard other speculation, and I'm curious. There's probably no way to resolve this because the Bible doesn't tell us. But is it possible that this was in or near the city of Magdala, and this woman was actually Mary Magdalene? Indeed. I mean, that, that is one of um, the speculations. And as we know from the archaeological record of Magdala, that's no small 
that's no small place. Mm. Uh, they, they're producers of fish oil, and they've discovered you know many um, vats and and instruments used for uh, canning and jar or jarring, I should say, in these amphora, this fish oil. But Mary Magdala was from the Magdala, and it, this could be her. Um, certainly, it could be a, a woman from another one of these small towns. But either way, this woman comes in, and she's not invited to the feast. Jesus is, but she comes in uninvited into a Pharisee's home, a, a teacher of the law. And it is uh, against the law for a married woman to uncover her hair in public. And this woman has her hair down. She's weeping behind Jesus at this table, most likely a triclinium table, similar to the one we just described in John 13 when Jesus washes his disciples' Which feet. Which means she would have access to his feet and not his head. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. His, his feet are behind him. And by the way, homes are, are open. This could have even been a courtyard, but certainly homes have open windows that are high up in the walls so that animals can't get in and out of the home. But from the outside, people can look in. And it wasn't uncommon for outsiders to look into a home. I mean, if, if you're throwing a feast or a party at your house, well, you're the entertainment for everyone else in earshot or eyeshot of your home. You've become the nightly program. I mean, mm -hmm. today we pop on Netflix, but in this day, you're going to hear feasting and, and people from the community might gather around that house and think to themselves, who is this coming to this feast? There were no Venetian blinds. That's right. At the time. So, so also the door would be pretty much open and this woman has invited herself in and she begins to weep over Jesus's feet, um, breaking open this alabaster jar in of uh, fragrant oil and she's standing behind by his feet weeping and washing his feet with her tears and wiping them with the hair of her head she kisses his feet and anoints them with this fragrant oil and this is important because when the pharisee who had invited jesus saw this in verse 9 it says if this man he whispers to other guests in the room he says, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. He wouldn't let her do this. He wouldn't be having this encounter. And this tells you the heart of the person who has just invited Jesus into his home. You know, it also suggests because, something else to me. I really hate to interrupt the flow, but there's so oh, many yeah, contextual issues in, the, in this story. Um, Jesus was known as a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. A member of the Hasidim, the Northern Pharisee. The odds are good that this was a group of Northern Pharisees in this home in the Galilee region. I'm wondering if this wasn't kind of a, not an initiation, but a, a testing to see if Jesus met their standards to, yeah. to, to join he, the group. He, he, you know? Absolutely. He's amongst his peers. He's supposed to be amongst his peers. Mm -hmm. Now, socioeconomically, he's not. We know this about Jesus because what, what, what does he say? People say, Rabbi, I'll follow you wherever you go. And he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay he his head. He was an itinerant preacher. 
this Pharisee has a home, so he's wealthy. Mm-hmm. And this Pharisee's name is Simon, and they should be peers, but they're not. And we know it by the questioning and the doubting of his very character. And we also know it by what this woman is doing for him. I'm wondering if Simon was trying to blackball Jesus. You know what that means, basically, is exclude him from from the company. Was going to prove that he didn't belong. Well, he's not inviting this guest, Jesus, to his home to be hospitable, Mm. as is required by the law. I agree. And so, by his very invitation, he is breaking the law in the way that he is expressing, or I should say not expressing, the mandatory hospitality in this scenario. So, Jesus says to him, after he says, if he were a prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is and who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he says, speak, teacher. And he says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 50 denarii and the other um, 500 denarii. Uh, When they had nothing to which to repay, he freely forgave both of them. Simon, Jesus answered, tell me, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. That's the 500 denarii. Mm -hmm. So, two debtors, one owes 500 denarii, one owes 50. 500, an unforgivable debt here, an unrepayable debt, I should say. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? And I love this question because The answer is no, he doesn't see this woman, but Jesus sees this woman. Simon, I would argue, does not even see Jesus for who he is and therefore has disrespected him at the feast. And that's what's about to come to light here. Jesus says to Simon, I came to your house. I entered into your home. You invited me here, in other words. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, and I love the text here, comma, which are many, comma, in other words, I know exactly what kind of woman this is, I know exactly who she is, are forgiven. And then everyone's up in arms. Who can forgive sins but God alone, they say. And this is astounding to everyone looking on. So, if you're going to invite someone to your home, In the first century, you must first provide water for them to wash their face and their hands and their feet or provide a servant to do so. You're going to greet your guests with a kiss. And if it's a teacher, especially you're going to anoint that teacher's head with oil. You're going to anoint them with oil. This is the custom. You're going to provide for your guests 
And Simon does not do it. A sign of respect that he failed to perform. Probably not that he forgot it. He never intended to do it. And that, exactly. that makes me think that, that with Jesus' story of the moneylender, and, and he who has been forgiven little, um, loves little, that's a retort. That he's, he's looking at Simon when he says that. That's a very pointed message. So Simon doesn't understand in this scenario. Jesus just pops in a little parable here in this scenario, and he has two debtors, 550. Well, Simon's still in debt. He's the fifty. And this woman is the 500. Hmm. And so he's saying to Simon, this woman loves me much, which is why she has done all of these things to a greater and more intense degree than you have. You haven't done any of them. In essence, Jesus has forgiven him for the the social slights, the the, the failure to pay tribute or to, to recognize him at the beginning of the whole dinner. He let it slide. Mm. He's still at this guy's house having having dinner. And and this transpires, and then again, Simon disrespects him once again. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. Mm. And that's the moment where Jesus stops and says, I have something to say to you. And he tells the story. Well, Simon's still in debt. He owes the 50. And he does not love it all because he does not think he's in debt at all. He Mm -hmm. does not believe that he is a sinner. Jesus says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And those that sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this that forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is one of the most beautiful pictures. And again, we, we've just laid out several foot washing accounts. We've got Mary at Lazarus's home. We've got Jesus with his disciples. And so we're dealing with John 12, John 13, and now here we are in Luke 7. And Jesus is allowing this woman to worship him, to pour out gratitude, to pour out love. By the way, the love expression is an expression of thanksgiving, and it is also an expression of worship. So, I just want to put us in the same kind of thinking here as we approach thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is worship. It's ascribing thanks for what you've been given, and you direct that when it's directed towards God, ultimately. Certainly, you thank the person who invited you over for dinner, but then when you ultimately see that those gifts, good gifts are from God, you direct that love, affection, and thanksgiving and gratitude to Him, and it's worship. You can worship at a Thanksgiving meal. You can worship at a feast. And when we understand who we are and the debt we owe and how much we are forgiven, it will be much easier to rejoice always in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, making our requests known unto God so that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It's what First Peter 4.9 says. 
when first peter peter says show hospitality to one another without grumbling without resentment hmm. amen the other point I, the other point is this woman knew who jesus was whether she'd been healed or simply listened to his teaching one or the other she had a reason for being there david go ahead do I have time for a question, or are you going to play me out with the music? I'm going to play you out. <laughs> and I've, see. Play I've me got out 10 with the music. Thanksgiving rules, too, before we go. <laughs> and, and I know what I know who, who was named after Leesburg, or who oh, Leesburg was named Lighthorse Henry Lee. Nope. nope. It was actually the Lee family. There you go. And probably the, the patriarch was Thomas Lee. Ah. Because okay. the, town, the town was settled in, in 1758. Okay. And this is years and years and years before Robert E. and, and uh, Lighthorse Harry and all the rest and of them. And I, I think that Ashburn was named after Richie Ashburn, who was a player with the Philadelphia Phillies in the 50s. So, Yeah, that's true. Now, Lee's son, Francis Lightfoot Lee, was uh, a signer of the Declaration of Independence. Yes. Okay. We got that. I, so. I've got 10 Thanksgiving rules from Luke 7 that I'd love to end on here. Mm-hmm. Extend a sincere and gracious invitation to your guests this Thanksgiving. Number two, expect your guests to accept your invitation. Number three, be courteous and aware of your neighbors who are watching you this Thanksgiving. Number four, greet your guests when they arrive. Number five, point them to the washroom. Number six, provide for your guests. Number seven, do not openly insult your guest. Number eight, <laughs> Leave room for an unexpected guest. <laughs> number advice. nine, prepare to listen and learn from your guest. And finally, number 10, remember people will talk about their experience this Thanksgiving at your home. I have a number 11 for you. Throw away your forks. Okay? <laughs> and your cell phone. <laughs> Robbie, thanks so much. We'll hope to catch you again uh, maybe next Thursday. We'll, we'll choose a day that works for you, but we'll be eager to get you back here. Thanks so much, and happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. And uh, we'll talk yeah, to you happy soon. Happy Thanksgiving, Robbie. Yeah, bye-bye. Happy Thanksgiving to you gentlemen, too. Thanks for having me on, Jim and David. Wonderful to be with you. Good to be with you.